0: Welcome into the Daily Alana Sports Podcast. It's your host Josh Peach, joined alongside once again with Carson Gordy. Carson, how you doing?
1: Hey, uh, doing good. You know, weather's starting to get nicer. Baseball season is back in action. I've been watching a lot of baseball and uh, uh, following a lot of the college basketball transfer stuff for sure. Just a pretty good time to be a sportsman.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Opening days been. Good. Your socks, my Cubs. I think we're both 2-1 right now, so that's uh, pretty good at the time this podcast being recorded. We'll probably last for one of those teams, not the other. Uh, but yeah, we're going to start today with an addition that Illinois just had uh, four-star slash five-star point guard Sky Clark uh, committed to Illinois. He chose Illinois after decommitting from Kentucky. Uh, wasn't too much of a surprise. He was considering schools like USC, Tennessee coming out, but Illinois was definitely the leader the whole way. Carson, what do you think Sky's going to uh, bring to Illinois this coming year?
1: So potentially we could be getting, you know, one of the best point guards, you know, Illinois ever had. You know, before his ACL injury, he was extremely explosive to the basket. He was a playmaker, had great mid-range, could shoot the three a little bit. I mean, he was a pretty well-packaged player. Obviously, though, after a 20 ACL, it does change the type of athlete that someone could be. You know, we saw it firsthand with. DeMonte Williams, you know, in high school, DeMonte Williams was like, uh, you know, Derek Rose Jr. You know, he could get to the basket, extremely explosive. And then he comes here, like he can still play defense, but we never really saw him be productive, you know, inside. So for Sky Clark, it's going to be, you know, rehab. It's going to be extremely vital for him to regain his physical capabilities. Cause right now he's not explosive to the basket. You know, he's going to have to rely on mid range probably early in his collegiate career.
0: Yeah. He is a six, three, you know, 200 ish pound guard. So Illinois is, you know, Brad Underwood's made it very clear. He has this new vision of getting bigger, longer at the garden, at the wing spot. So a six, three point guard, surely, surely does help. Yeah. I mean, he was going to be a five-star for every single ranking system. Before the ACL injury, ESPN has him even after the ACL injury as the 25th player uh, in their ESPN 100 at a four star, and 24/7 Sports has him a little higher to five star. But the rankings are all about the same. Everyone, you know, thinks this is a home run good for Illinois. But like you said, it's all going to be about how he gets back from this ACL injury. The interesting thing though is that Kentucky saw him work out, you know, as he's been healing and still wanted him. The decommitment from Kentucky it seems to be you know, was all Sky Clark and not Kentucky. So big get for Brad Underwood, huge get for Tim Anderson. But do you think, you know, he's a a scoring guard for sure, not as much of an off-ball guy. So do you think he's going to start right away, or how do you think Illinois is going to use him?
1: Yeah, I don't think he's physically capable of being the shooting guard that maybe he was supposed to be. I mean, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries and, you know, Scouts have realized he's not as quick to basket. He's not as explosive. So I think this is a good opportunity for him to take a Curbelo type of role to really get others involved. Like we still have RJ, we still have Kofi Coburn who's going to put up 22 points a game. Hopefully Coleman has a breakthrough year scoring wise, because we've seen the difference with this program when we don't have Curbelo playing at his best. You know, when Curbelo plays at his best, we almost beat Purdue. We win the Big Ten championship. But when we don't have that playmaking guard, when we just throw it down to Kofi and then try to get a three-point shot, it's been super inefficient for our offense. We saw that in the NCAA tournament. So Clark is definitely going to have a chance to really become a true point guard and you know, become better with mid-range, become better with three-pointers because he can't just bully people like what he used to do in high school. You know, These people, they're just as good athletes as him. So he's going to have to increase his game with passing and definitely uh, perimeter shooting.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the if the roster stays the way it does, or as it looks right now, which we probably won't, we'll get into that in a little bit, but the starting lineup would probably be Sky Clark, Luke Goody, R.J. Melendez, Coleman Hawkins, and Kofi Coburn, because all the guards are gone. Trent's gone. Uh, Corbello decided to transfer away, and the only three guards coming in are Sarahs, Sincere Harris, one of whom is more of a pass first, one of more as a scoring guard. And then Sky Clark, who could be a little bit of a bull. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts. Either way, huge get for Tim Anderson, huge get for Brad Underwood. We'll see if he's a one-and-done guy. If he's a one-and-done guy, he'll be pretty good next year. But that'll depend on you know whether or not a couple transfers come in. One of those could be Courtney Ramey, who went to Texas. He has played big minutes for Texas for the last four years. This past season on Texas, he played 30 minutes a game, average 9.4 points, three and a half rebounds and one and a half assists and a pretty heavy Texas offense with a lot of scores. What do you know about Courtney Ramey and how would he fit with Illinois?
1: Yeah, so he's been a pretty productive guy for Texas and he has one year of eligibility left. So it's going to be important for Illinois to try to get that, you know, that filling piece. We saw with Plummer one year of eligibility, what we need was scoring. Well, with this, we can get, you know, a nice physical guard that, has a track record performing with good teams. Um, Courtney Ramney, I mean, there are multiple, multiple teams that are interested. You know, you got UConn, you know, you got Kentucky being interested. But I think this is a big recruiting thing. I mean, the guys from the St. Louis area in Missouri want some bad. So for Illinois to be able to get a guy, you know, pretty much a border state, to get a guy that was able to replace what maybe Demonte Williams provided for our team, I mean, Courtney Ramney would be, huge for a one-year acquisition
0: yeah he'd be good he is also 6'3 185 very good defensively um his career high in points per game was 12.2 and that was his junior season in 2021 when by the way Texas did win the big 12 and earned a three seed in the NCAA tournament it's interesting though because he's more of like a, he he's a very good ball handler and you know can a press, all that type of stuff very like on ball type of point guard but he only averages one and a half assists per game if he came in and started you know would that stat with the only averaging one and a half assists bother you
1: not really because he needs to know his role i mean i think it's fair to say we need clark to be you know the true point guard we're not we're trying to get depth right now when we lose guys like trent frazier you lose demonte you lose Plummer. Like, I'm sorry, like, I don't want Brandon Pods having to get significant minutes. You know, maybe, you know, Goody struggles. He's immature. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's nice to just get that, you know, that senior that you know is going to play with his head on right, who's not going to turn it over, who can put up nine points a game. Cause I, I do worry about Illinois scoring input next year. I mean, when you lose Trent Frazier, 12 points a game, Plumber, 15, you know, Kofi's going to have a lot of pressure to replicate the season he had last year. So, yes, I I do worry that maybe offensively, you know, this isn't the slam dunk of all slam dunks. The beggars can't be choosers. You know, we're putting a lot of faith in Clark. We're going to think that Goody's going to become a good three-point shooter. RJ can, you know, dominate inside. For this one, this is a guy that can take 20 minutes. You know, he can, you know, provide good defense. He can make a clutch three-point shot. So, th- it'd be nice to get him, but this isn't going to make us a Sweet 16 team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's, again – I believe if he came in, he would start at the one. So it'd be interesting to do, you know, to see what they do with Clark. But you bring up a good point about the scoring because Trent, 12 points a game, lose him. Plummer, who did show some ability to make his own shot, 15 points a game, lose him. Coleman cannot create his own shot. He hasn't proved that. Goody cannot create his own shot. He's hasn't shown anything to make it seem like he can do anything really but catch and shoot. RJ has shown it a little bit, but that's with a smaller sample size. So if a guy like Courtney Ramey came in, it would be nice, you know, for him to potentially average double digits like Trent did, hopefully do it more efficiently. I mean, he shot his career low and three point per, uh, percentage was 31. And last year he shot 35 after shooting 41 in 2021. So he definitely has the possibility to score. It would be interesting to see what happens with Sky Clark. I imagine he wants to start right away, but Another place that they're going to need scoring is the wings. We've gone over the point guards. And now one wing guy that Illinois would have loved to have that they lost today to Georgetown was LSU transfer guard, Brandon Murray, who was six, five only played one year, uh, started in pretty much every game and played about 30 minutes a game, 10 points per game guy. You know, he chose Patrick Ewing who he said he wanted to go there because he sees Patrick Ewing turning this program around. He's had five years. And they were terrible last year, but what is Illinois missing out on the guy like Brandon Murray?
1: Well, the big overall scope of this whole conversation is connections. People want to play for people that they feel comfortable with. So, for Sky Clark, he felt comfortable with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson was a guy that recruited him since his eighth grade. Chicago connections. Well, something that's not been reported that much is that Patrick Ewing hired hired an LSU assistant. So he's following an LSU assistant. You know, this is probably the most comfortable possible spot for him since Will Wade's blacklisted from basketball. But, yeah, I mean, Georgetown is a program that has made one NCAA tournament in the past six years, and they had to win their conference title to get there. So I don't know what he's really expecting from Georgetown. He's in a pretty tough conference in the Big East. He's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders to try to, you know, help the Hoyas become competitive. But he went there because of his assistant coach. So I think that's the most important thing that, you know, Brad – did realize, like, we lost Orlando Antigua, you know, we lost um, Chen Coleman, who had good Chicago connections, so what he did was, you know, he got Tim Anderson, who knows the AAU programs from Chicago, and that's what helped us get, you know, the Sky Clark, it's going to help us get Chicago kids in the future, so for this one, we didn't really have a shot since he wanted to play for his old LSU assistant, but it just, you know, just shows how important the program is, more than just Brad Underwood. I mean, it's it's the whole staff. Brad Underwood's not personally recruiting all these players. He's the CEO. He oversees everything. But Tim Anderson's the reason why we got Scott Clark.
0: Yeah, Tim Anderson knows the mean streets, which is huge, huge, huge in recruiting, especially in Chicago. It's the reason 2024 big man Morris Johnson as a sophomore committed to Illinois, which is going to be huge. But going back to Brandon Murray, you're right. He wants to be the guy at Georgetown you got to think, by the way, it's kind of now or never, you know, about three year window for Patrick Ewing. But Brandon Murray would have been a guy that I would have loved to see in an Illinois uniform. I thought he would have been a great fit at the shooting guard. that good. He could have had another year off the bench. He averaged 10 points on good shooting last year. He's good defensively. The only time he really struggled shooting, by the way, was open shots. He can hit really, really tough shots. He in the sec tournament he airballed a wide open three in a clutch moment like he had some very very odd moments for a guy that plays the way he does but maybe that makes him a good number one guy right he'll hit the tough shots he'll get the offense moving would have been great to see him in blue and orange but he decided to go elsewhere um and then another guy they're targeting obviously who's really you know been on Illinois radar since before he entered college is terrence shannon jr who is a chicago kid Heavy, heavy rumors of him coming to Illinois, which did not work out. Goes to Texas Tech for a few years, does well, gets out. Um, we don't exactly know about the chances of Illinois getting him because he's kept pretty quiet about his recruitment. But what do you like about TSJ?
1: There's really not anything to not like about this guy. I mean, he's a proven shooter at the three-point line. That is something that we desperately need next next year. I mean, we uh, kind of had, had an embarrassment of riches from the three-point line this year. He shot 38% at Texas Tech. And most importantly, like, my idea for this program is to replicate what Texas Tech does, it's to replicate what Houston does, you know, that strong guards, you know, that can use their will to get what they want. I mean, he's 6'6". I mean, for for a guard to have that kind of size would be phenomenal for Illinois. You know, he knows defense. I mean, Texas Tech is one of the best defensive teams in the country every single season. And, uh, you know, that that's something that we can use with RJ and we can use with Goody and just finally like he's a proven winner like he has tournament experience like he's been to a couple sweet 16s he can put up 15 points a game if he's given the time the problem is he's not getting maybe the minutes that he's supposed to be he comes to this program he's going to get 30 minutes a game like he's going to get an opportunity to really showcase what he can do as a shooter so we got the Sky Clark for the playmaking But if you want that tough defense, if you need that clutch three-point shot, I mean, Shannon is a lock, and we should get him. I mean, it's a Chicago kid. The fact that he went to West Texas in the first place is kind of baffling. So it makes sense for him to come home, and it's so weird. It seems paradoxical because Brad Underwood, you know, can't maintain a relationship with Adam Miller. Curbelo goes sour. But he's done a great job of selling the program. To a lot of these great, really, really good guards. I mean, I would assume who stayed an extra year than we thought he was gonna do. Sky Clark, Kentucky guy. And then after one, you know, house visit, he's all Illinois. So hopefully he Brad can, you know, use similar tricks and get Shannon down here in Champaign.
0: Yeah, Taryn Shannon would be absolutely huge. Last year he averaged 10, two and two. ESPN has him at six, six, two fifteen. He would be awesome. I mean, like you said, I agree with you. I want Illinois to replicate a Texas Tech type of thing where they're long and athletic on the wings. It's just so good defensively where you can win these grinder games. He averaged 12.94 and one and a half in 2021, where he got one more minute. But like you said, he's not even playing 30 minutes a game. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't think he was happy with how he was treated, you know, minutes wise, probably at Texas Tech. I know that their new coach has a little bit of a different scheme. But I think, you know, with him coming in, because one, Illinois seems to get bigger, right? Like when they lost to Houston, Houston was bigger, more athletic. And I don't think Illinois' has seen a guy play the three at, you know, six, 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 seven since Malcolm Hill, really. So just building that size, getting that scoring, I honestly think is huge.
1: Taryn Shannon Jr. provides the most upset. I mean, he's got a better size, better three point shooter, great defense, great length. I mean, I think every team in the country could use him on their roster. Like who wouldn't take a guy who's great at three and D, you know, and can lock down defenders. I I, I think it's a no brainer. And I, I feel like we could find maybe, you know, a different Avenue with him trying to get other people involved. I feel like he's a better playmaker, you know, than the Texas transfer.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the point guard position is going to be interesting because Illinois is so young in that position, right? Because, Epps, Harris, and Clark are all freshmen. you got to think right now Clark's going to play the most. Not 100% sure how it's going to go with Epps and Harris in the backcourt. Spencer with B-pods coming back. But still, I agree with you. Getting the size on the wing and Terrence Shannon Jr., I think, makes Illinois once again a contender to have a deep run or at least get a top seed. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, Kofi comes back, even though a lot of players are gone, on paper this team isn't, a ton different besides hopefully, you know, getting bigger.
1: I think the end result will be pretty similar. I mean, this is a team that's probably around around a 32, around a sweet 16, but how they get there will be different. I mean, this team's going to be a lot more physical, hopefully rebounds better and the three point shooting isn't quite there, obviously as it was last year. I mean, last year, I mean, DeMonte's track record was better than it was. Plummer was the best three point shooter in the PAC 12. So it, it it will be different. If you would tell me that Courtney Ramney would come into this program and get five assists, six, six a game, and get other people involved, I would take him. But they're too similar where it's three-point shooting, it's defense, it's you know, it's defensive guard play. It, it's pretty clear that you know Shannon has the upper hands. And also, since he's from Chicago, it's more likely he comes here anyway.
0: And let's face it, honestly, I mean, whether Courtney Ramney or Tan Shannon Jr. comes in kind of know what we're going to get from them. Sky Clark, whether he improves or not, you know, we obviously hope he plays to that four or five star caliber level that we hope he can do, but let's be honest, the improvements of guys like Goody, RJ and Coleman is kind of what's going to be what makes it or breaks this team next year. Right. Especially if Kofi stays.
1: I think Coleman is the biggest, I mean, the front court scoring this year was just putrid. I mean, No one could create their own shot. And even Kofi was frustrating with, probably being a little too impatient down low. I think he settled too often to not slam dunk the ball. Uh, We need to see Coleman become more of a playmaker. I'm not saying he has to play the one, you know, that was propaganda, you know, coming into the year that he could possibly play the one. But I think it would be nice for him to, you know, get some little post moves, being able to dish the ball inside and out. So Coleman is probably the biggest X factor for this program next year, because, you know, we just need more front court scoring. You know, we can't count on Kofi having to score 25 points a game to beat a competitive team. I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Goody, like, as much as I want to say, you know, he could work hard and create his own shot. Really, I think he's just going to be hopefully like a lockdown defensive guy who can shoot a really good three-pointer. RJ can play defense. We saw him, hey, against Houston create his own shot and end up scoring nine points. But you're right. Coleman, you know, Brad said it in press conferences a hundred times. The only person stopping Coleman from being great is Coleman. But I really think that his size is, you know, sort of what's holding him back. He hit the first three of the game against Houston. We've seen him do that. On fast breaks, he can get up, you know, for alley-oops. He can play defense against a good stretch four. But getting to the rim is something he has not been able to show us. And if he could get to the rim, Illinois would just be better scoring, not only the front court, but just throughout the whole team.
1: Just sometimes I feel like with Coleman, he didn't deal with adversity that well. Coming into his sophomore year, I mean, people were hyping him up. Yeah. We saw, I know he only played around six minutes freshman year, but he's a guy that has always heard so much praise from Brad Underwood. So the first three games of the season, when we're playing these exhibition games, when we're playing these weak division one teams, it felt like he had a different kind of swagger. You know, he was scoring over 10 points a game. You know, he was getting to the basket a little bit more. And then he has a bad game against Marquette. And then the offense isn't running through him as much. And it seems like he just went into a slumber for pretty much the rest of the season offensively. So for him, I think it's about keeping confidence. You know, it's being able to continue to get fed the ball, even if it always isn't going according to plan. Coleman, I'm going to change it up. He's numbered. We know what we're going to get from Kofi if the environment's right. Kofi is a product of his environment. Number two, most important thing is Coleman Hawkins gaining confidence. Number one is going to be Sky Clark because we need somebody to move the offense. You know, Curbelo was gone. You know, we were not a consistent offense last year. It was nowhere near what we saw when I was out for three games, you know, during the, you know, 2021 season, Sky Clark needs to be able to get, you know, Luke Goody involved because realistically when I look at Luke Goody I think he's going to be Demonte Williams on steroids. I think he's just going to be great defensive player who's more consistent from the three point line. Yeah, like Goody, Goody's not going to be a guy that's going to put up 15 points a game. I don't even think it's fair to expect RJ to put you know 17 points a game up. But I think this team is going to go into an era of maybe you have the one big star, you got the playmaking point guard, and then the rest of the guys play like a team. Great defense, eight points a game from this guy, nine points a game from this guy. That's kind of how I see Illinois basketball next year.
0: I would say my dream starting lineup next year for Illinois is Sky Clark, Luke Goody, Terrence Shannon Jr., Coleman, and Kofi, because then you're going 6'3, 6'6, 6'6, 6'10. Seven feet, all guys that can defend very well—not so, eh, not as much Kofi on the perimeter—but a good, big, long, athletic defensive lineup that can hopefully, with guys like Kofi, Clark, and Shannon, score points. Right? I feel like that's probably Illinois' best, you know, scenario to win another conference title and hopefully get to the Sweet Sixteen. I just with the you know with the guys that they could potentially get in the portal and who's coming in, who's returning. I really think that that's probably the best option or the best scenario for illinois all right well moving on from college to professional sports uh, the nba playoffs are set to start here the brackets are done in the east and the west and it's time for the play-in tournaments uh the seven eight game in the east is the nets and the calves on the other side it's the timberwolves and clippers interesting one there and the nine tens are hawks hornets and then the pelicans and the spurs i think the most interesting team here out of all is the nets i think the clippers are definitely two um, the Nets are the seven. Do you think that they're gonna, you know, win right away, get right into the playoffs to play the Celtics, or do you think that they might scare, you know, some of their fans and drop into that last game for the playoff contention?
1: There's no chance. I mean, this team. Let's think about it. This was a team that was in first place for some, for some, a lot of the season. This was a team that is still favorites in Vegas to win the Eastern Conference. Let's not overthink it. They went through a awful awful situation caused by external factors first of all COVID mandates so Kyrie Irving literally couldn't play a bunch of home games I mean that's a huge disadvantage right there he's one of the best point guards you know in America number two James Harden is a baby I mean this is a guy that cries wolf every single time he's in a situation that he doesn't like we saw it in Houston we've seen in Brooklyn and then so you get those guys like you got Kyrie Irving you got Kevin Durant. Those are two of the top 10 basketball players in the entire world. For them to get a seven seed, they had to go three and 18 in 21 games. So what they need to do is beat a Cleveland Cavs team that is nowhere near athleticism, nowhere near the scoring ability. And then once they get into a best of seven series, I see a hard time of anybody in the Eastern Conference beating Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving four times in seven games. Kevin Durant's putting up 50 points, you know, at his will. Same with Kyrie Irving. There's no way that Brooklyn, with guys, role players like Seth Curry, you know, Durant, like they're not going to lose to the Cleveland Cavs. They're probably going to make the NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, I'm not totally sure about making the Finals, but I agree with you. A couple weeks ago, I probably disagreed with you about Brooklyn. I think I did on the radio, actually. But recently, they've been a lot better. They won their full game, their last four games, which included a one eighteen to one oh seven win at home against the Cavaliers. Their recent losses were at home against the Bucks, where Giannis looked like the MVP at the Hawks. You know, which NBA road games it is what it is. But I'm with you; they're finally starting to get it together with Kyrie playing all their games. KD is probably the best player in the world, if not top two or three. So, I like him as well. What about the other teams in the East? Um, there's the Cavs at the eight. Who would either play the Hawks or the Hornets? Who, uh, who do you like there to get into the final playoff spot?
1: I like the Hawks. I like Stars. I like a guy in Alpha who can, you know, carry a team on his back. And Trey Young has proven that he can do that. I mean, last year, Eastern Conference Finals, probably something that no one in the world really expected. I mean, the biggest storyline from week one or round one playoffs last year was how the Mavericks won the trade over the Hawks because Luke was doing so well. Well, you know, they never, the Mavs didn't get out of the first round. You know, Trey Young was playing well in Madison Square Garden, you know, played well in the semifinals, you know, and got to the conference finals. So I look at the Cavs, I don't see a lot of star power. I think they're a good team, but I think they're a year away. I'm taking Atlanta Hawks, definitely, for the final play in spot.
0: I definitely like the Hawks over the Hornets in the 9-10 game, but I And, you know, usually I like the team on momentum, but I think I actually am going to go with the uh, with the Cavs here. I like what Darius Garland's doing. And though, you know, they're young with guys like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen's not too experienced. I like the backcourt with Collin Sexton. They're big. They're long. I think Evan Mobley might, you know, ease into the playoffs better than some of these rookies would have like Scotty Barnes, maybe. So I'm going to I'm going to take the Cavs. I think they're going to avenge their seven eight loss and get in to play the Heat. Let's go to the other side. The 7-8 game is the Timberwolves who finished the year as the uh, best offense in the league against the Clippers who got Paul George back and have been playing very good ball all year, honestly, under Ty Lue. Uh, what do you like for that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, if Kawhi Leonard was playing, I'm taking the Clippers, but, you know, home game for the Timberwolves, super efficient offense, and which Paul George are we getting? Are we going to get a guy that can put up 40 points and, you know, kind of win it by himself or is it going to be a rusty Paul George who, you know, chokes in the spotlight for me games in Minnesota. uh, I'm taking the Timberwolves.
0: I am going to go with the Clippers. I think Ty Lou is easily the better coach in this matchup. And even if Paul George doesn't play super well, he's still great defensively and the Clippers won a bunch of games. They shouldn't have this year without Paul George because of people like Reggie Jackson Stepping up who I think is criminally underrated in the league. So I like the Clippers there. Um, So who do you have for your last spot then? It's either the – it would be the Clippers, the Pelicans, or the Spurs.
1: It's hard to really respect the Spurs. I mean, they kind of had to have the Lakers just crumble down the stretch for them to even get in the playoffs. Like this was not a team that Popovich thought he'd be coaching in the postseason. This is complete gravy. So I'm not I'm not taking the Spurs. It's definitely the Clippers. I mean, even without Kwai, you still have serious studs. You got Paul George, you got Tyron Liu, who has a tremendous amount of post-season, postseason experience. Uh pretty easy uh choice here. I'm taking the Clippers.
0: I think that the Spurs are gonna quote unquote upset the Pelicans in the nine ten game. I just love Greg Popovich and I don't think that CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram have had a much, you know, enough time to mesh properly together. And then I'm I will take the Timberwolves in a bounce back against the Spurs just for the fact that D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns will be too much for a Spurs team whose best player really is De- DeJounte Murray. And then after that's probably Lonnie Walker, who's good, but you know, nowhere near as good as some of those other guys on the Timberwolves. All right, let's start with the East here then. Uh, in the 1-8 game, I believe you would have the Heat and the Hawks. I would have the Heat and the Cavs. Uh, are we both going to take the one seed here.
1: Yeah. Um, don't be surprised. Like, this would not be the most surprising You know, one seed loses to the eight. Like, we've seen teams with explosive guard play have upset the one. It happened in 2007 when Golden State knocked off a phenomenal Dallas Mavericks team. But in this case, I mean, Miami's pretty loaded. Jimmy Butler's playing pretty well. Uh, Miami Heat and five. But don't be surprised, you know, if Trey Young, you know, takes a couple games, you know, and it's a six-game series.
0: I'm totally with you. I'm going to go Heat and six here. Let's be honest. The Heat don't really have a go-to score. Jimmy Butler is not, you know, a pure scoring guy. He's a great small forward who can facilitate offense and is phenomenal defensively. He's not a pure scorer. Tyler Hero really, really struggled in the playoffs last year. But I like Bam. Duncan Robinson's really good too. I like the addition of PJ Tucker there. So I'll take the Heat in six, but I agree with you. It wouldn't be too surprising if that series gets really close. Then in the four five, we got the 76ers and the five seed Raptors. I personally think this is going to come down to how James Harden plays, but there's clearly more uh more star power on the 76ers side, I think.
1: A lot of people like the 76ers because obviously you got to beat, you know, you got you um, you got Maxi at point guard, you know, you got Harden. But the problem is Doc Rivers has really struggled in the postseason over time. James Harden isn't as efficient as he should be. I mean, the Raptors have won the best coaches in the entire week. Um, they're pretty well balanced, play great defense. I'm going Raptors in seven. I think they're going to frustrate the 76ers. I don't think Harden's going to play that well. And I think that's going to spell the end of the Doc Rivers era in philadelphia
0: doc rivers could definitely get fired if they uh lose this series and i still think back to i believe it was the western conference semifinals in the bubble when the clippers with the healthy Kawhi and paul george were up three to one against the nuggets they were even up like 18 in the fourth quarter and uh, game five or something like that and ended up blowing it but i'm still gonna take the 76ers here i just think Embiid, who could very well win mvp with James Harden are just too much. Like Fred Van Vliet is good, but he's matched up against James Harden. I just, I really, you know, the Raptors are well coached. You know, Nick Nurse is not leaving for the Lakers. He's phenomenal. He could have a Greg Popovich, you know, S career with length like that. But I don't know. I honestly just think that, you know, between Harden and Embiid, Tobias Harris, Matisse Teibel, Tyrese Maxey, 76ers are just too much, but You know, if they lose that series, Doc Rivers is definitely in hot water. Unfortunately for Bulls fans, they got their nightmare matchup against the Bucks in the three versus six series. That'll start in Milwaukee. Uh, That's a tough matchup for the Bulls.
1: Yeah, they're going to get swept. No answer for Giannis. Vooch is not playing well defensively. I just don't see any possible situation where the Chicago Bulls win even two games against the Bucs.
0: I don't even think they're winning a game. My my legit prediction is Milwaukee 4-0. It's, so, uh,
1: according to 538, the Chicago Bulls are the worst team to make the playoffs aside from the Spurs, who are the 10 seed in the plan. I mean, computers wonderful. do not like the Chicago Bulls. They overplayed in the beginning of the season. But for a Bulls fan, good season. I mean, having made the playoffs in four years, this is more just sets the foundation. But yeah, this is going to be a pretty quick postseason trip for Chicago.
0: Gooch didn't work out with the bulls. I know he's going to be there for another year, but he just didn't work out. P will is very good. He scored 35 last night against the Timberwolves and he plays good defense, but let's be honest. He's 21 years old. He's not enough for Giannis. DeRozan's old. Levine's good. Lonzo balls hurt. Uh, Bulls are going to get swept. Then over in the two seven, this is very, very interesting. It's the Celtics and the Nats. I'm, Taking the Nets in this series. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to go to six and it's going to be the Nets. I just Jason Tatum is awesome. Jalen Brown's awesome. Outside of them, I just don't love the Celtics, where the Nets have arguably the best player in the world in KD. Kyrie and him are starting to play really well together right now. And Kyrie can go off for 40 if he wants to. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Nicholas Claxton. Simmons might, you know, come back. We'll see what happens there. But regardless of if Simmons plays, I like this. I like the Nets here.
1: Yeah, pretty clear. I'm taking the Nets. Computers love the Celtics, but, I mean, they don't have the star power like the Nets. I mean, you have Kevin Durant. He's going to put up 40, 45 points a game if he needs it. Kyrie Irving, you know, he's the best one-on-one guard. I mean, good luck trying to stop him in isolation. Um, pretty clear here I'm taking the Nets in six. Because yeah. They're not a seven seed. I mean, they had to go three and 18 during COVID issues, James Harden issues. I mean, any normal year, they're a two, three seed at worst. I mean, this is a nightmare for the Celtics. If you're the Celtics, I wish they would have lost yesterday, so they got to play the Bulls, and the Bucks had to play, you know, the Nets. You know, this is this is a punishment as a two seed.
0: You know, the Bucks might have lost purposefully yesterday in their last I, game. Why wouldn't you?
1: You were literally yeah. helping your future by losing a meaningless regular season game.
0: Exactly. Honestly, you know what? You're not even surprised if the Nets win this thing in five, like Robert Williams has done for the Celtics. This is unfortunate for the Celtics and their first year head coach, but yeah, I'm with you Nets in a quick series. Let's go over to the other side of the bracket. Uh, I believe I have Suns versus clip uh, Suns versus Clippers. And you have Suns versus Timberwolves. Who do you got in that series? And then best record in the NBA, by the way, Phoenix Suns.
1: Yeah. I mean, Phoenix, everyone was kind of scared. I mean, Chris Paul's gone. Look where they were before Chris Paul. You know, they were a lottery team for six straight years. But they didn't miss a beat without Chris Paul. I mean, the foundation is set, you know, with, you know, Monte Williams coaching. You know, Booker's still putting up, you know, 27, 28 points a game. And now Chris Paul comes in. And immediately, he made an impact. I mean, he is just so good with getting everybody involved um Suns. maybe you drop a game you know that happens the 73 win warriors lost to at least a game in every series it's not a big deal I'll go
0: Suns in five yeah I I mean you you hit on all of it I think Ty Lue is a great coach and I have the Clippers in this series and Paul George is awesome which is why they're going to get one game because for one game he might hold Booker down uh The Suns are just too good. There's honestly not much to say about it right now, especially against an eight seed. They won 64 games or something like that. They're well-coached. Chris Paul is phenomenal. I like DeAndre Ayton. Not a ton to say there. Mavericks and Jazz in the 4-5. Jazz were the best record in basketball last year. Mavericks have Luka Doncic.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be huge for Luka because he's never made it out of the first round. But what gives me confidence is, you know, Utah hasn't been as good as they have been. I mean, I remember you said you thought Utah could have made a run at the one seed this year. I
0: did. Yep. I 100% thought that that was my terrible or midseason prediction from the NBA.
1: But I feel like there's answers to why they aren't playing so well. I mean, Quinn Snyder's name is regularly mentioned, you know, in the coaching cycles of the NBA you know the offense and defense and efficiencies both top ten, but there's a there's a disconnect. Like you know why isn't their seed maybe as good as it should have been? Um, I like I feel like the Jazz overall are the better team. I'm gonna take them in seven, but if Luca goes off for 50 points
0: one game, don't be surprised if Dallas finally moves on.
1: But I will go I- Jazz
0: in seven. I definitely botched this jazz pick. Um, I thought they were going to make a run at the one or at least the two or the three, especially with Curry being down. But after Donovan Mitchell, they don't really have a second score. I love Jordan Clarkson. I love him as a six man. He can score. And Rudy Gobert is like the most efficient score in the NBA or something like that. But he's a, he can't create his own shot. It's all inside, right? He has the highest field goal percentage for a reason. This is really, really, really tough. I mean, Luca's averaging, like, 27-8-8, eight and eight, but even after him, you got Spencer Dinwiddie and no big guys. I'll take the Jazz in six, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavericks win this thing in even as little as five or six. Uh, Three-six, another good series. Uh, healthy Warriors with Steph Curry against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets.
1: Yeah, which Golden State are we getting? Is Clay Thompson going to play well? You know, is Steph Curry going to, you know – go back to last season's form. You know, Jordan Poole is really the guy that's shined for the Golden State Warriors. You know, uh, us Illinois fans remember him from his Michigan days, and he's just playing really well up there. I mean, 18 points a game, 91% free throw shooting. I just think Golden State has too many scorers. I think, you know, they haven't been in the postseason in a couple years, but this is a team that won, you know, three titles in four years, you know, with pretty much the same core. So I'm going to say Golden State in six.
0: Yeah. Jokic has like the highest per numbers for almost every single category in the MVP race is why, even though I like Giannis more, I think Nicole Jokic is ultimately going to win it, but I don't think Jamal Murray is going to be back. And there's a reason that they have the MVP and they're the sixth seed. I'm also going to go the Warriors. I think they're going to win it in five. Clay ended up playing very, very well last night and scoring 40 points Curry has turned it on the playoffs before, even though he doesn't have a finals MVP. Like you said, Poole is good. Um, I think that there's just not enough, you know, power around uh, Jokic. So I'm going to go Warriors in mm, six. And then it's the two-seeded Grizzlies. I have them against the Timberwolves, and you have them against the Clippers. Who do you like here?
1: Yeah, I mean, even without John Moran, this team plays pretty well. I mean, they're 18-2 and without him, but, you know, Jordan – Moran's going to be a guy that's going to play well in the postseason. I mean, he's used to this kind of stage. I remember his days from Murray State. I mean, he played phenomenal in the NCAA tournament. I know they were a 12 seed against the fifth seed Marquette, but everybody and their mother knew, you know, John Moran was going to play and win that game. I like the Grizzlies in five or six because I don't know. You might lose a road game. This seems pretty inexperienced, but I like Jaron Jackson. You know, I like John Moran. Grizzlies yeah. are a good team. They're going to win this game, series pretty comfortably.
0: The interesting thing about this series is that the Grizzlies are good with John Morant and they're arguably even better without him, which is very weird because Jaw's probably a top three point guard in the league right now, but the Grizzlies don't play awesome defense and the Timberwolves has the number one offense in the league, which is why I think this series is going to be closer than some people may think. I'm still going to take the Grizzlies because they're well coached. They're probably going to get the coach of the year and they have the home court advantage and John Morant's awesome. Carl Anthony Towns is very good. D'Angelo Russell has performed in the playoffs before. We'll see what Anthony Edwards can do, former number one pick in the draft. I'll take the Grizzlies in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Timberwolves made more noise here.
1: Um, Let me just add this real quick. Yeah. Remember the last year Kevin Durant was with the Warriors. You know, he was injured a lot and the Warriors were like 25 and four without Kevin Durant and everybody thought they played better without him. And then in the NBA Finals, when Kevin Durant didn't play, the Raptor, the Raptors beat the crap out of them. Yeah, comparing regular season games where there's a bunch of load management, there's 82 of the games, like that's not apples to apples comparison to the playoffs. I mean, you need an alpha like John Moran who is willing to take the game winning shot at any time. You know, the the guy that is not willing to lose. So I I think Moran here, Moran, whatever. John Moran is necessary for the Grizzlies if they want to, you know, make a conference finals or make the NBA finals somehow.
0: Yeah, John Moran super important for the Grizzlies. I just wish he played to, played better defense. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. The playing tournament starts on Tuesday night with Cleveland and Brooklyn and the Clippers and Minnesota. Carson, thank you again for being here. This has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.